Who does that? Who does that, by the way? This is Ramblin', your weekly Rams podcast that brings you inside out of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from sunny Los Angeles, California. The Rams are 5-2 and two after an outstanding performance on defense. Overall, great team effort on all three phases. Joining the podcast today, a fellow Latino. He reps Nicaragua, NFL <laughs> Network anchor. You can find him Monday through Friday on one of my favorite shows, Good Morning Football. Uh, he's the real deal. Worked at CNN, ESPN, Fox Sports before joining NFL Network in 2013. He has a Papa shot set up in his house. Give him a follow at Will Selva TV on Twitter. And he is here now. Will, thank you so much for joining. This is great. We could talk forever and we have to talk about football. Serena, that was quite the intro. Thank you so much. I do feel bad, though, that I'm doing this interview from my unfinished garage and not from a car. So I apologize for that in advance. Chris Hassel set the standard for us. <laughs> yes, I felt bad. I'm like, wow, I just, I, I should have stepped it up more. I'm sorry. And I had like my kids screaming in the background too. It would have been fantastic. Yeah. Could have been like cooking dinner while you're doing it. Yeah. Well, Shout honestly, out to Chris Hassel. Kind of a, kind of a uh, elbow bump to AirPods because he put his AirPods in and he was like, can you hear me? And I was like, actually, just coming through your car audio sounds much better. <laughs> so... I don't know what he was driving, but shout yeah, out. It's still 2020, though, right? I mean, I'm doing voiceovers from my kitchen pantry and between the coats in my closet. So this is how on we're doing brand. it right now during a pandemic. On brand. On brand, Will. Um, well, Monday Night Football at least was as normal as it could be because there was a football game, and it was under the lights, and it was wonderful. Most importantly, because Johnny Hecker reminds us that punters are people too. Yes. Jared Goff said he's the best putter in the league. Will, I know you love baseball, but I'm throwing you a softball question. Do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> I do agree. They are people, but I think Johnny Hecker is not a person. He's a robo kicker. Oh, That's yeah. what he is. Half man, half human is what he is. He's half robot, half, I don't know what he is exactly, but he's a cyborg that kicks these booming kicks averages 44 yards a kick. And if you look at the Bears' drives, five of their 11 drives within the 10, that is the defense's best friend right there. That's like having an extra edge rusher. And then it consequently helps out the offense as well because they are in great field position. And it was funny that Hecker was saying, wow, I mean, it feels good that Aaron Donald knows my name. It's like, dude, Bill Belichick knows your name. Remember, he called you the weapon. He called you the weapon. So it's something like having insurance. You like to have the car insurance just for that security blanket. You reluctantly sending that payment every month. But if you get in an accident, man, it pays off. And when you get in a low scoring slog, where it's defense, that is where the value of a Johnny Hecker comes in. Yeah, Jared said he earned his money, that 63-yard punt late in the fourth quarter to pin the Bears deep in their own territory. Aaron Donald and Jared Goff got up from the bench and cheered for a punter, and it makes me so happy. I was like, finally, Hecker. Um, Aaron Donald, 
we know he's good, but the defense overall was, again, outstanding. Sean McVay said it. Uh, Brandon Staley, I think, has done such a good job at igniting this group. Um, this was obviously a defense versus defense game kind of going into it. People are usually or have been saying, oh, my gosh, wow, the Bears, they're great. They're so good. And they've kind of, like, dismissed the Rams. But the Rams allowed 10 points. And one of them was accidental with that um, – what was the play, Matt? You're gonna, I'm gonna freak uh, you. Robert Woods fumble. Robert Woods fumble shouldn't right. have even been there. Very unlike Robert Woods, anyway. So the Bears, I mean, they only allowed 49 yards rushing. What was kind of your most impressive moment from the Bear, um, from the defense on the Rams? Well, you could see the intensity level uh, ratchet up from what it was the year, the week prior against San Francisco. They seemed to be lackluster. They didn't have the same bite that they've had in other games that we've seen. With this game, it felt like literally they were Denzel Washington and man on fire when he's walking away in slow-mo from the car explosion behind him. That's what it felt like Aaron Donald and the defense was doing with that Chicago offense, which we know was anemic anyway, but the defense was so good, they looked completely overmatched on the field. And it was great to see a guy like Leonard Floyd get off against his former team, having two sacks, and with Aaron Donald being disruptive. That's what we expect them to do. And then also you see Jalen Ramsey got away with a couple that had Nick Foles connected. Maybe that would have uh, gone for long yardage, long plays. But Jalen Ramsey is fun to watch because the guy is a hard-hitting corner. He's not just a corner who's one of the best ones at covering wide receivers. He's there. He's hitting. And you can tell that the intensity was there. You mentioned Staley. I think all that week of preparation, he was saying, we've got to bring the intensity. And when Aaron Donald, your defensive MVP, your leader, says, we played soft against San Francisco, I think it lit a fire under them. It lit a fire. And I think people still in some ways equate maybe the Rams from the 2018 version, thinking of them as more offense, being in the shootout Monday night with Kansas City, 54-51, their finesse, you know, jet sweep motion. They are a team that right now their defense is stout. Yeah. And their offense also is that ground and pound churn it out. And I think that is the key here for the Rams and their great start so far. And, you know, that's a good point. I think it also says a lot about Sean McVay looking at himself last season. Obviously, there was a dinged up O-line. You know, there wasn't a lot of cohesiveness there, um, which would obviously set up protecting a guy like Jared Goff who needs a little more time in the pocket. But I'd also, I mean, going back and going, what do I need to fix overall? I am the head coach. I'm going to bring in a Brandon Staley because playing against him was super difficult when he was coaching on the Bears. I need to bring in someone to help me on offense and kind of overseeing things so that I can really be the eyes and ears and know exactly what's wrong and what's right. So we got this car moving. And I really think it took a, a McVeigh to look at himself and go, I'm not doing something right here, even though I just came off of a Super Bowl run. But, you know, last season was not what we wanted coming off of the Super Bowl, right? And now this year, it was like, he's got a new DC, a new OC, and a new special teams coordinator. And he's like, okay, I think we're okay. And I think he's empowered those guys too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where having a guy like McVeigh 
he really is paying attention to the details, trying to improve the team. And I guess you could say that about any head coach, but I really do think the hire of McVay when they brought him on was the best thing for this franchise. New stadium, a lot of excitement, and he's just such a smart guy, remembers plays from week you know, 12, two years ago. He's just so in tune with the players. And even on that Robert Woods touchdown, it's literally they're in the huddle, quickly get to the line of scrimmage. Buster Screen was like running around trying to catch his tail. And by the time that he did, Robert Woods hauls it in back-to-back -back weeks of catches that he's had. And Robert Woods has built a nice little niche for himself there, nice little role in this offense that was previously occupied really by Brandon Cooks. And it's just you're seeing these, these wrinkles now where it just – he's still such a bright, sharp offensive mind that it just doesn't feel like the Rams are just like his little offensive toy anymore. He just is really seeing the big picture, makes the adjustments, and has really made this team one of the top teams in the NFC for sure. Yeah. Jo Josh Reynolds, right? Was it Josh Reynolds? Josh, yeah. Josh Reynolds. Reynolds on the Josh Reynolds. But, uh, but to your point, still, oh, uh, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, like, it's, it's interesting because, you know, with Brandon Cooks here, everybody was kind of expecting him to be the take the top off the defense kind of guy. And um, it feels like with him gone, he didn't say, okay, well, now who's going to be the take the top off guy? He said, how can I work with what I have and still be as effective? And so it seems like you're seeing so much side to side motion that defenses physically cannot keep up. And so when then you gotta, you're dealing with Malcolm Brown just pounding it right down the middle on you play after play after play and then you got to chase all these guys from left to right and make sure you're not missing anybody it's just how do you use what you have to make yourself better without just strictly you know what I mean it's interesting yeah well well and here's the other uh question I was asking is why isn't Cam Akers being utilized more right he's just played a handful of snaps and this guy was electrifying at Florida State when the, these Florida State teams were down and I was excited to see the change of pace that he was going to bring to this offense. And McVay still hasn't quite found that role for him yet. I don't know if it's necessarily an urgent need, because I think with Henderson and Brown, they certainly seem to have it covered. I mean, you see Malcolm Brown carrying guys in that pile and then literally tattoos his helmet in the chest of Roquan Smith with that touchdown. And so where does Cam Akers fit in that? Where does Jefferson fit into that? And yeah. because McVay is so sharp, he'll, he'll find something for them at some point in time. You know, he, he's, he's that in tune, like what we were saying, uh, with, with adjustments that he has to make. Uh, so I will, be, I will be curious to see how he, how he utilizes those guys moving forward. He calls it champagne problems, that he has you know, three <laughs> yes. solid running backs. I mean, to your point, the offense overall, we saw Johnny Munn, a tight end who's been with the team, an undrafted free agent, came on, but you got depth with Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. So it's like, when do you get to use him? And I think we saw, you know, a lot of Johnny Munn more on the blocking side of things. And he's done a great job. Sean is always talking highly about Johnny Munn in that aspect, but then like, can he catch the ball? How's his hands looking like? Can he do other things? And for him, you know, with Higby, uh, with his hand injured going into this game, like, I think it was great to like, hey, look at this guy. He can show up. And to your point before, Josh Reynolds, 
who again is sort of like that steady horse, I think would be a bigger named player on any other team. It kind of shows, I think, Rams fans overall that you don't you don't have to be a Robert Woods. You don't have to be a Cooper Cup in order yeah. to win a game. We'll we'll use other guys. It's okay. Right, right. And and you know the other thing for the Rams and Jared Goff, for example, he throws a beautiful, beautiful deep ball. And I think there's some throws he probably wishes uh, he could get back. And the one thing is when he has that time or he's rolling out and he finds receivers, that is when this offense is really just precise and crisp and really good. And it's, and it's a nitpicking thing where he's not throwing it uh, as deep as maybe one would like. He doesn't have to. I think that's something where I noticed in the San Francisco game and even in this game that there are some of those deep throws I think that he wishes he would connect with, but that also over time I think will come for yeah. sure. And and he had solid numbers yesterday and was efficient. Seemed to get off a little bit sluggish to start, but then really, you know, found his groove. And uh, that's where it's like with, with all this coming together, it's like, remember, we're, we're still, it's like they're five and two, they're, they're still getting better. They're still getting better. And then now they have to go up against the Miami Dolphins, a great unknown. See them in Miami with Tua Tungavailoa. That's just such a head scratcher. Uh, and Matt and I have talked about this before, like putting Tua in as a starter versus, you know, you had the beard. It was working. Don't shave it off. You're going you're gonna to have weird tan lines now. Like, I didn't understand why Fitzpatrick <laughs> seemed to be working well. Like, I was like, you guys are doing okay, but all right. Tua's first game in the NFL will be against Aaron Donald. Good luck, buddy. You seem like a very nice, smart quarterback. But good, good luck. Oh, yeah. No, it, exactly. It's, it's like when I tell people, hey, um, I'm trying to teach my kids math during remote learning. People are like, okay, good luck. You know, and I don't know if the Wi-Fi is working. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's dicey out there, you know. Um, you know, you could treat it like my seven-year-old son. If there's no Wi-Fi, it's like, hey, no internet. I'm done with school. Uh, it's like, no, buddy, you still have to do your work, you know. Uh, so Tua, yeah. <laughs> you still got to show up to work even if <laughs> your O-line isn't working that day. Like, you're going to have to. Exactly. You know, it's, in speaking, I just think of, of, like, the Wi-Fi and unpredictable it is during these pandemic times that we live in. I, I think of, of McVeigh. Follow me here with how reliable he is when the Rams have a lead in the first half. 30 and 0, 30 and 0 is ridiculous. It's like you could take that to the bank that when the Rams are leading at halftime, they are likely going to win the game. Wow. And it's, that's, that's so impressive to me. So impressive. That out. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's where it's like McVeigh. I mean, he's got it going on right now. It's just amazing how a 9-7 and seven season, people were ready to take the shine off of him and saying, oh, well, maybe he wasn't good as people thought. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Stop already. Stop. And here he is. He's already showing how smart, how great of a coach he is with the way he is with these guys 5-2 and two right now. Yeah. And, and, and actually, it's funny. I'm not around the team, obviously, to the same capacity that I have been in past years. But the way that these guys are, they are not – it's a good bonding, but they're not at any point taking their foot off the brake. Like, they've got heavy feet. Like, that sucker is like, 
go forward, go forward, go forward. Like when you see cranky coaches or when people are like having bad practices and they all are allowed to have that, there's never like, it's okay. It's like, no, no, we're, we're focused. There's a lot of, um, like it's a good bond and they joke, but like, obviously we all celebrate Johnny Hecker, but there's also yeah. just like, uh, you know, I love seeing Hecker, but we don't want to see him in a lot of games unless, you know, you're going against a really stout defense like the Bears and it's working well. So Yeah, um, but you look at and you look at the, the NFC West right now. Um, not fair, Will. It's not fair. <laughs> it's it's not, right? I mean, it is literally like the NCAA tournament every week in this division, right? It is survive and advance. I mean, we saw it on Sunday night. Valpo beat Kentucky right? Seattle is the blue blood of this division. And Russell Wilson, he's won a Super Bowl. He's been to another Super Bowl. This guy has been the model of consistency up there in the Pacific Northwest. And here comes Valpo. Here comes George Mason. And they make a run at him. And they literally knock him in the mouth. And forcing him to throw three interceptions. And so I get a feeling this is how it's going to be like every week. And that's why every win is so precious. It's like mortal combat and trying to pick your fighter. This yeah. is, this, it, you're right. It is not fair. Why can't we move these teams east? You know? Uh, <laughs> east. Yes, I don't know how we could do that. But, but it's like these, these, all of these teams have a chance to make it to the playoffs. I mean, they really do. It's like now, you know, the 49ers have been injury ravaged, but they have now seemed to get it together the past two weeks. We know that with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, they're getting more and more comfortable, but Kenyon Drake went down to injury. So how's that going to affect their offense? Chandler Jones, he's not there in the desert anymore. He's out for the season. How's that going to affect their pass rush, right? And speaking of pass rush, the Seahawks don't really have one. So that's a deficiency that they have. So every team in the division has their weaknesses, but they can all seize upon it. And we're, we're going to see who's going to be, you know, having that, um, you know, cutting down the nets and doing the, the one shining moment at the end of the, at the end of the season. Do you know what I mean? It's very much a, a paper Jim rock scissors. It's a paper yeah. rock scissors division for sure. Like yeah, yeah. paper scissors. Well, well, actually, let's get to it now. News from around the NFL. Will you? We just kind of talked about it. Like, how big was it for the Cardinals to get that win over the Seahawks? That game was incredible. It was. I mean, that had to be, I think, the early candidate for game of the year. The way that the Cardinals showed themselves and showed out. DK Metcalf running down Buddha Baker is one of the more exciting plays that actually was pivotal because that prevented the Cardinals from, from getting the touchdown right there. And I think with Russell Wilson having those three picks, I don't think that you're going to see many of those types of games. I think also the fact that Chris Carson was hurt, that's going to affect that running game along with Carlos Hyde. He's dinged up as well. Uh, so now Cliff Kingsbury and uh, this this offense, they've they've got them more and more comfortable. DeAndre Hopkins proved to be the best signing uh, in the in the, you know the best the best trade. Thank you, Bill O'Brien. If you are a Cardinals fan, right there. So um, I, I think that that game just put the NFC West unnoticed for sure. 
when the Cardinals made that statement against the Seahawks? It was huge. I mean, the Rams have only had one divisional game so far against the 49ers. And, you know, I'm still like staring at the Seahawks. I'm like, could you just get one loss already so that we can just kind of have a more even playing field? So thank you, yeah. Cardinals, for that until we have to play the Cardinals. And then we'll have to deal with more of those issues. Um, the Rams also have the Buccaneers on the schedule, and Antonio Brown will now be playing for them. What do you think about this move? I Tom Brady and this offense seem to be working well together. It is. Uh, it is very interesting that uh, Bruce Arians had said earlier, it's like, no, there's really not a, a need or room or space for Antonio Brown on our roster. And then lo and behold, he ends up having Antonio Brown there signed. Uh, obviously, B.A. has a relationship with Antonio Brown, where he was the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh for two years when Antonio Brown was there. He obviously had a connection with Tom Brady uh, the brief time that he was with New England. And in that one game, you could tell that they were vibing. They were clicking. You know, he had something like 57 receiving yards just in his first game. The, the issue is more of the off-the-field stuff. Obviously, he was talking about his helmet, and then he had the frostbitten feet, those sorts of things. Are those going to be disruptive? I guess frostbitten uh, feet won't happen in, in Florida, right? I completely <laughs> Who does that? Who does that, by the way? That just kind of just... How do you get I that? I do, thanks for reminding us about that. <laughs> right? I mean... It's just, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, it's, Hard Knocks it's, it's was covering, that's right. Hard Knocks, we, we went up to play the Raiders and have a joint practice at the Raiders when Hard Knocks was covering the Raiders and there was no Antonio Brown. And we were like, this is so weird. Oh yeah, it's because his feet are, are frozen, so. Yeah, I, I think it's like, um, you know, now with what the, what the Bucks have there is that they have Leonard Fournette and then they have Ronald Jones, who he has proven to be a durable back in that backfield and you have Godwin, Scotty Miller as well, Gronkowski and, and uh, you know, Brady obviously have that unbreakable bond between the two of them. It's like that offense is a dangerous one. And what makes them more dangerous is that defense and how they play and Levante David and how they swarm to the ball. That is what makes now the Bucks tough because now the defense has been high caliber. Now you see slowly but surely that offense raising up its game as well. And so that's, that's what makes the Bucks so dangerous is because now they got the offense and the defense to go with it. Yeah, I am uh, looking forward to that game. To say the least, I'm like, oh man, we're talking about the NFC West yeah. and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, Maddie, it's time. It's time for Serena's socially distant social segment. Yeah. That? I, I amped up the energy for you since you always clown me for, for being so monotone. But I used to have a button for that, and now I don't. So um, I am the button. Anyway, the World Series is coming to an end this week, which means the only exciting thing about this whole pandemic is all these sports happening at the same time. That's dwindling away, and then we will just be left with football, which is fine with me, but I know a lot of people will probably be sad. So in the meantime, with all those extra days, we've got to find something else to watch on television. And a while back, you jumped in a thread debating the top five shows of all time. So we got to ask, what is the official top five list look like for you? 
Wow, that is tough. Okay, so I'm going to say uh, Game of Thrones. Yep. Uh, the Wire. Yes. Uh, I will say, uh, for me, boy, uh, now you're getting me to, it could be, could it be sitcom? It could be anything, yes? I was going to ask you, like, you could go, it could be anything, like I The Office. Television, and I'll even include, I'm still just available. Netflix uh, series will count. Netflix okay, so count. so I I would definitely have to say uh, Seinfeld is there for me, and uh, let's see where am I at three? Uh, yes, uh, three and I don't know. Is it? I, I feel like it's it's recency bias, but um, I like Narcos a lot. And rounding out my top five, Boardwalk Empire. Loved Boardwalk Empire. I thought that was a fantastic show. It uh, doesn't get enough love in the uh, show lexicon at all. Um, I think Steve Buscemi was fantastic. You know, um, the, the characters, the vividness. I mean, I always felt like I was watching a mini movie. So uh, throw in a little comedy in there with Seinfeld, but those are my top five. What, what do we think? Maddie, talk to me here. Serena, do you want to go first, or do you want me to? I mean, I, I I've heard about um, Boardwalk Empire, and it's on, uh, you know, that invisible list that we all have. It's like, oh, that I gotta add that to my list. Um, also, great, great to hear Steve Buscemi mentioned on any part of a podcast. Like, big win there. I'm with you on Game of Thrones um, and The Wire. I had those on my list. I love The Office. I could also go Seinfeld. They're kind of in that same vein of like, you either get it or you don't get it. And right. it's for you if you don't get it. Um, and I was trying to think, I just started watching Sons of Anarchy. I wouldn't put them in like, because I think it has to do with like complete, like set up the storyline, the character building. Like you, that's the making of a Super Bowl team, right? You gotta have like the tough story and you feel bad for this one guy who's going through the off the field thing. Um, I also put Killing Eve in there. I just oh. watched that over quarantine. Okay. And it is the most unique show that you're like, oh, I didn't even think, I mean, there's a female assassin who like trots around um, Europe killing um, uh, like very rich diplomatic sort of, you know, powerful people for an agency and it's insane and it's a woman and she just is like completely like, ah, I, I killed you, no problem. And I think that's sort of right. like the oddball there. Um, I could also put Breaking Bad in there because I think yes. character development. Breaking Bad, what was I thinking? Yes, yeah. Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad. <laughs> ah, yes, Breaking Bad. I heard Mr. Robot is very good too, which I haven't gotten to, but yeah. So maybe Wire, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones are like the top three. Matt, I don't know, what do you got? Listen, everybody's <laughs> gonna say Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. I've heard The Wire all the time, The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody's gonna say this. So I'm gonna break the system and oh, tell no. you all the true top five <laughs> of television. Okay. <laughs> The Simpsons, oh, yeah. The Office, okay. Workaholics, uh, Family Guy, and Guy oh, wow. Fieri games. That's oh my it. God, he watched Guy Fieri all the time. All the time. 
I think it like very much defines you when you reveal your top five movie choices. No, I'm I'm obviously kidding, but uh, yeah, Game of Thrones is amazing. Uh, I really like The Office. Just I I know replay value on that is just outstanding. And anybody I know who's ever worked like a a desk job or just any like nine to five, it just relates so much to that and say how perfect it was. Um, I really liked Parks and Rec too, which is along that same vein. It just had a little better storytelling and character development and whatnot um yeah. but yeah uh westworld was great that first it's season long, I, yeah, yeah i just i couldn't get past that first season or after the first season um yeah. once they well, escape about, the world how about right now um say cobra kai uh are either I've of you heard that's mm-hmm. amazing i need to start watching it is it funny or is it just it's it's cobra kai it's like there's a Listen, there's a cheesiness factor for sure. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm watching, you know, an after school special, but that has Ralph Macchio in it, uh, right. and, and, you know, and Johnny Lawrence in it. But there's something that keeps drawing me the nostalgia. And also, I'm a big Stranger Things fan as well. Love Stranger Things. Uh, and uh, the other one that I really like is The Mandalorian as well. And that's going to be dropping here soon. So. Um, watching a lot of those shows. So I think that's why it's on my brain more the, the, the recent ones for some reason. No, that helps. We actually need to stock up because, yeah, I mean, I'll watch the World Series tonight, but yeah, if the Dodgers get it, what are we doing? We're twiddling our thumbs again like we were in the beginning. We got to wait until Thursday to watch a dang sport. <laughs> we have to wait two days. Maddie, you're like inconsolable. Are, are you no, all right? Nobody should have to go through that on a regular <laughs> basis, just constantly waiting for the next sporting event. Oh, Dude, do you want a virtual hug? I, I know it sounds a little yeah. creepy. Oh, a man. Hug? Yeah. That, he I actually mean, would, he would gladly take one. I would take that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we're going to wrap up today's podcast with Say What. Uh, this comes from Johnny Hecker, who is, you mentioned it before, is very happy that Aaron Donald knows his name. It was fantastic to really watch his teammates appreciate what Johnny Hecker does for this team. Um, take a listen to what he said last night post game. Have it right here. It's just great to know that Aaron Donald knows my name sometimes. Yeah, the guy's <laughs> such a star in this league. And no, no, I love AD. It's so much fun. And we talk about it all the time in the special teams room being kind of a shot of energy. We're a transition phase, you know, essentially with, you know, we're ending an offensive possession and the defense is coming on the field with the punt team or return is giving juice to the offense. So we got to do what we can to really provide that shot in the arm for the phase coming on the field. And tonight we were able to do that with some great production and the defense pinned their ears back and was able to, man, just pitch a great game. And I'm really proud of the way we played complimentary football tonight. Me too, Johnny. Um, yeah. I, I just love that. I think Johnny Hecker really is uh, such a glue guy, but then he's so humble with the way that he just, as a captain, you know, I, a special team just don't get enough love, but I love that people respect him for what he does. I guess that's kind of my way of putting it. Absolutely. And can we just talk about the spirals that he throws? Every time it's like, down. Yes, I keep thinking like he could be a quarterback for two or three teams in the league. Every time that he's back there, I always think they can actually do a fake right here and they could throw a bomb right now. He's got nice touch uh, on his throws. So that's why I, I see Johnny Hecker as being a massive advantage, massive advantage to, to the Rams that I don't think a lot of other teams have. 
And yeah. especially when we're talking about this division where it is going to be rock'em, sock'em robots. It's going to be Mike Tyson, you know, punch out. It's going to be going up against Glass Joe, whoever, the bald bull. Whoever you're going up against, you need a guy like Johnny Hecker in, in your corner. I have to. Yeah, we haven't even seen a fake punt from him yet. Like, we got, we're due. I was, I was seriously trying to remember the last time we ran a fake with him. And was it in Atlanta? Last season? I, yeah, that's that's probably accurate because I was we were we were right in like prime territory. I think it was like right around the 35, 40 yard line, and it was like I don't know six minutes left in the first half or something. I was like this I, this feels like it could be just for no reason exactly up. why. But hey, I mean like if you don't need to reveal any of your secrets, why do it? Why do it? Yeah, no, it's exciting, and Hecker has done a heck of a job, pun intended. So we all appreciate Johnny. Um, yeah, but that's it. That's a wrap of this episode of Ramblin'. It's in the books. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We'll bring you more episodes throughout the season. And if you're craving even more Rams podcasts, we've got Rams Revealed with J.B. Long, Rams Iconic with former Ram DeMarco Farr, and we brought back Between the Horns. Uh, you can watch every Thursday morning on YouTube or stream it wherever you get your podcasts. Hopefully we'll get Will on that one very soon. Because you'll just keep talking about the Rams all the time now, Will. That's just become our thing. So appreciate your time, though. Really, really, really fun to have you on the pod. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. And uh, let's do it again sometime, huh? Yeah. Keep the crickets away, though. We don't, we don't need to <laughs>